A warning, today's episode deals with the delusions surrounding weight, eating disorders, and body dysmorphia. If these things are triggers for you, you may want to stop now and try another episode. Also, while I have your attention, I am a self-proclaimed expert in delusional thinking, (laughs) which pretty much means that I am a delusional person who found an angle. I am not any sort of licensed professional. This show only strives to provide thoughtful conversation about our egos and the ways that we see ourselves. If you are dealing with any of the issues discussed here today, I would encourage you to seek out the help of an actual professional. Thanks. Talking about it out loud, it does make me sort of confront the fact that like, my God, this is, I'm insane. I'm truly crazy. (laughs) Like this is delusional, delusional thinking. And like, you're catching me at sort of the height of this delusion. My brother's wedding is next week. And so I am about to go home to the belly of the beast. And I have put myself on the most insane diet. And I am so committed to losing weight because in my mind, if I don't show up at that wedding in what I term in my own head as you know, skinny, my skinny era. Like, I don't know what will happen, but it's not going to be a fun wedding. I'm going to like regret it for the rest of my life, not looking like hot and skinny for these photos. And I told my mom this because my mom at this point is like, why are you doing this? Like, just eat something, you fool. You look fine. And I'm like, no, no, no. You can't take it back now. You started this. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me today, Earth Monster. I'm your host, Matt LeBlanc, and it's true. I am well into my 30s, and no one told me life was going to be this way. This is Your Necessary Delusion, the storytelling show that celebrates vulnerability and speaks to the darkest, messiest little parts of your heart about the lies that we tell ourselves every day, the stories that we use to get out of bed, the fantasies that we let propel our lives. And spoiler alert, sometimes the stories that we tell ourselves, they're not true. Sometimes they are made up ugly stories that twist our vision and stunt our growth. We all have some delusions like this, but we can't judge ourselves for them. We can't judge each other for them. We all have them and they come from all different directions and for all different purposes. Sometimes we are not even the ones to make up the stories. Sometimes they get passed on to us. Sorry, is this too blatant of a lead up? Our story today has got me all in my feelings. I've been so inspired by the stories that people have told us here. And I have also been so inspired by the storyteller's willingness to share such important stories with us. Because truthfully, I keep it pretty open. I meet someone or I know someone who I find compelling and I pitch them the concept for the show and I see what story they feel like they have to share. And if you've been listening, then you can probably tell a necessary delusion is a pretty broad theme. So if you're open to the concept, then you can see our lives are full of them. Big and small, funny, tragic. It's a real spectrum. 
Personally, I like talking about all of them, and I invite people to come on here with all different kinds of compelling necessary delusions. But what makes this feel like real magic to me is that the people that have been showing up have been coming with core delusions. People come with their big... <laughs> ah, <laughs> you almost got me. See, I told you I care. <laughs> people have been showing up with their core delusions. I mean, they have been talking about their big stories that have taught them something important about themselves. The necessary delusions that have changed the course of their lives. And the stories resonate really deeply with me because I spend a lot of time with them, recording and editing and producing them. And it is such a fulfilling practice because I really have learned something from every person that has come here. So if you have shared on the show and you're listening now, thanks. My guest this week is a storyteller for a living. Her friends would describe her as an extremely delusional person. I know that because that's how her friends described her to me. Uh, I know Phoebe peripherally. We're friendly. And what you're about to hear is certainly the most important conversation that she and I have ever had. And I would just like to thank Phoebe for coming and being so willing to tell me this story because I walked away from it with a lot better understanding and also a lot of love for you, Phoebes. Also, didn't put it together until just now, but Phoebe, Matt LeBlanc, Phoebe, delusion, um, it's a friend's reference. So, without further ado, let's hear from Phoebe. I won't fully blow up my brother's spot, but it's his fault. Um, <laughs> but basically, when my brother was in middle schoolish age, and so I was a bit younger, he sort of started getting a little bit skinnier. And maybe that was through the natural growth process for him. But like, it seemed like maybe he was eating a little too less. There's also like rampant mental illness in my family. So like, maybe it had something to do with like OCD stuff, which uh, for another time, I also suffer. I'm an obsessive compulsive disordered freak. No, we won't say freak. <laughs> I'm allowed to call myself that. We're monsters. Yeah, we're we're all little monsters. So he was sort of losing weight or underweight at the time. I was always tall for my age and he was always short for his age. And there was like a weird sense when we'd go to the doctor, the pediatrician, they'd be like, yeah, Michael is a little low on his height and weight, a little underweight, a little under height. And uh, Phoebe, what are you feeding Phoebe? She's shooting up. She's in the like hundredth percent of like would show me on the chart. And I would be like, cool. <laughs> Actually, at first she was proud of it. At first, it didn't seem so bad because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm near 100. That seems good. Delusion! Just to be clear, I am obviously not calling delusion to shame a little girl for weighing 100 pounds. I'm not taking a personal stance here at all. That's just not what the show's about. I am only pointing out the story that she told herself. I'm close to 100. That seems good. Totally subjective. It was really just a kid liking the sound of a nice round number. If only she could have hung on to that perspective. And then my brother was so low that my mom started to get obsessive about feeding him and getting him taller, getting him fatter, so to speak, like fatten that boy up. And it became like the witch from Hansel and Gretel situation where our house suddenly became like full of Pop-Tarts and like pie. And he would eat like pancakes for breakfast with a milkshake and all this stuff. 
And I have always been a person who is very competitive and a person who loves praise and validation. And so I was like, oh, if he doesn't eat the food, uh, I'll eat the food. You want someone to eat the food? I'll eat the food. I'll eat so much food you won't know what hit you. And so I became a eating machine and I would just eat everything that he turned down. And it became such a comfort to me. I loved food. I was like, oh, it's Stefcon 12 Yummykins. Like, of course I'm gonna enjoy this. And then I started getting overweight. And then my mom immediately saw this and was like, you're never gonna find a husband at this rate, which is something that she said out loud to me at like, what, 10? And I was like, this is gonna come back later. <laughs> like, I honestly felt like in that moment when she like said that to me, I was like, I will remember this for the rest of my days. And I have so far. And barring, you know, any serious head injury, I think it will probably stick with me. Do you think that part of that was your mom really wanted him to eat? So maybe you were like pleasing her to like do the thing? Oh, fully, fully. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be the star of the family if I eat this. I'm number one. I'm best child. Slap a ribbon on me. I got this locked up. And I just like, I'm going to eat everything. You want someone to eat? It's me. I'm going to do it. Can you hear a story? I'm going to be the number one in the family. Slap a ribbon on me. I cannot stress this point enough. We are here to talk about Phoebe's necessary delusion. We are not here to pass judgment on how children should eat or how much children should weigh. All of those shoulds are only code for Ta -ta delusion. So we were operating in a very insane portion of time where my brother sat across the kitchen table from me, would be having a mountain of chocolate chip pancakes, chocolate milkshake, two eggs and bacon for his breakfast. And that is truly what he ate every single day because he was a very like picky eater and like disordered eater as well. And I was sat across from him with one egg and a fruit cup. And we would just stare at each other across the table and just be like, this is going to be bad. We were small at the time, but like there was just this pervasive feeling of like, we don't know what, we can't put our finger on it, but something is not right here. As it turns out, that was no delusion. Unfortunately, it was an eerie whisper of truth. My mom is a whole other episode, but God love her. She tried her best. But yeah, she definitely didn't know what was going to be really psychologically damaging and what was going to actually help the situation. She would just say things that were truly crazy. And the thing about my mom is like, we're not talking about a skinny woman. We oh. are talking about a woman who is 300 pounds. So she would put me on diets and stuff and be like, you can't have this. You can't have that. You have to stop eating. And then I would be like, but why do I have to when you look the way you look? And she would say, I already have a husband. Delusion, yeah. And she, knowingly or not, really connected my weight to my value to men in my head. And that's like a weird thing because I don't think I've ever said that out loud or like thought that thought before in those specific words. So thank you for that. This is truly a therapy session. Um, but 
Yeah, I think that that is where my sort of negative correlation between my weight and the way men sort of react to me and perceive me directly came from my mother and the way my mother sort of framed my weight and my weight loss and my weight gain and all of that. I know. It's a heavy delusion today, guys. No pun intended. But then they're all kind of heavy delusions, right? All these stories that we tell ourselves, they pretend like they're about food or running a marathon or joining Mormonism, but those are the delusions. They're really about feeling unworthy of love and the ways that we cover up our loneliness and all of the twisted little ways that we motivate ourselves to become the people that we become. What were your favorite foods at 10? Jesus. I remember there was a summer where every single day I made myself like a 10 cheese macaroni and cheese concoction Mm. where I was like, I'm just going to put every cheese known to man into this melting pot of butter and milk and noodles. I would literally eat like a box of fucking pasta just sitting in front of the TV watching like Full House. And I was like, Aunt Becky is so pretty. No wonder John Stamos loves her. Oh yeah. Also, Phoebe is obsessed with TV. It all sort of interconnects into my like true psychological disturbia of who I am as a person because I'm also very into television and media and the toxicity of seeing all of these like women on TV who I so wanted to be like. And then at the same time, of course, I started getting real into guys at school. Johnny was like my first crush, obsessed with him. He started liking my best friend. And this is a pattern that would continue where like I would get a massive crush on these guys at school. I would get really close to them. We would be buddies and they all really liked me as a person, but then they would ask out my friend. So that started happening more and more. And I was like, that doesn't feel good. That starts telling me I'm the good time gal. I'm the fluffer. I'm emotionally the fluffer. I'm fun to hang with. But when it comes time to go to the dance, because again, we're like 11, 12 at this point. When you want a girl on your arm at the dance, it's like, we're not going to take the funny one. We're going to go with the hot girl who's not in the 100th weight percentile. Delusion! 150th at this point. Looking back, I can see how this all fed into what was happening in my mind at that point. But at the time, I was just like, well, you know what I can do? I can fall deeply, madly in love with John Stamos or Luke from Gilmore Girls because look how sweet he is. He's pining for Lorelai. He will not give up on her. He loves her. Like that kind of love is the love that I need. I need a man. And like I started just like falling deeply and like psychotically in love with men on TV. At the time, she was the kind of kid that would watch hours of TV and then write her own fan fiction about the characters. But this is a delusional practice that Phoebe has kept her whole life. She is currently a professional TV writer, still writing and crushing on characters from television. During quarantine, I became unhinged and I watched The West Wing about 12,000 times because this is now an ingrained part of my personality, that I am obsessive. I get addicted to stories easily. I love living in a narrative and escaping to 
into the fantasy world of film and television. And it happens to also be my job. So I can slap a, a healthy title on it and be like, it's research. Delusion! But I became obsessed with The West Wing. My hot boy of the month is currently, I don't want to say. because say. It's a weird one. Oh, come on. All of a sudden she's shy. You think I'm going to say Rob Lowe? It's not Rob Lowe. Of course it's not. It is my man, Deputy Chief of Staff, Josh Lyman, Bradley Whitford, the evil dad from Get Out. If you can't picture him, he's kind of a barrel-chested ginger dad type with a receding hairline. Anyway, Rob Lowe was the obvious choice, but Phoebe's a different kind of girl. The fact that he is so quietly in love with Donna, again, me in my psychotic little brain is like, fuck Romeo and Juliet, I want whatever those two have. This is insider West Wing fan talk, but the point is she is crushing on the brainy but not necessarily handsome guy and fantasizing about one day being loved by someone in the same way that Bradley Whitford acts like he quietly loves this other totally fabricated TV character, Donna. I don't think he's classically handsome. I think he's very handsome. Delusion! Only to point out that beauty is completely subjective and therefore a delusion. When you look at Bradley Whitford and Rob Lowe next to each other Mm -hmm. and you make the choice like Bradley Whitford is my crush, is there an idea there of this says something about me that I'm choosing him instead of him? You know what's insane? I recently realized that every boy band obsession that I ever had, In Sync, One Direction, Jonas Brothers, I would always choose my favorite to be the one that nobody else really fucked with. Like in In Sync, I loved JC. In One Direction, I was a Nile girl. With Jonas Brothers, I liked Kevin. I know, shocking. But in my like little diseased brain, I was like, let's keep it realistic. You're never going to get a Nick or Joe. Harry is not going to go for you. Okay, ramen hair Timberlake, pack it up. (laughs) JC's up. Justin Timberlake will not look twice at you. So even in my wildest fantasy, I'm like, let's be realistic. Go for the guy that you don't actually like. Just because maybe you'll have a shot in your own fantasy. My high school years passed in a flurry of real life crushes that were mitigated by fake TV crushes. I wouldn't eat in front of anybody. Like my friends would all go out, like go to lunch and I would eat the fruit cup and the yogurt and be like, I'm so dainty. I don't know why I'm so fat. Poor Phoebe, she just has a slow metabolism. And then I would go home and fucking binge eat while I watch TV in the dark. She gained weight in high school. It was her eating habits, but it was also her lifestyle. Like, I don't think I should have been the weight that I was, but I think that eating just like a little bit more than everybody else, because I was a bigger girl at that point, needed a lot of fuel, but also combined with my truly sedentary lifestyle, because all of my hobbies were like drawing and writing fan fiction and like watching hours and hours of television, where like all of my friends were like, maybe I'll be on the lacrosse team. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go watch Luke and Lorelai. The two main characters from Gilmore Girls. And then then I'm going to write about them pounding out because I'm 14 and horny. (laughs) On most nights, she would park herself in front of the TV and fall into her fantasy of true love, which was actually the projected ideas of a bunch of lonely, cynical TV writers in Los Angeles. But of course, she didn't know that. To her, it was love. 
It was real life. It was her comfort cocoon. And sitting alone on the couch, she could eat whatever she wanted in privacy and in peace. There were these cookies from a place called the Village Market in Chappaqua, and it's still there to this day. So if you're ever in the area, go get these fucking cookies. They are fresh baked. I would come home and eat like five to 10 of them. And I would do this thing where I literally would just like stack them up. I would run them under the water, like for a second, stack them up on a goddamn paper towel, stick them in the microwave, done. 30 seconds, that's all you need. And God, is that good. Like a warm, moist cookie. And then when I heard about keto, I started just melting cheese and eating (laughs) cheese, melted cheese off a plate. And I would be like, I'm the picture of health. Delusion! At school, she would crush on guys and flirt, and then they would ask out her friends. She says she gave over to this pattern pretty quickly. I'd say after freshman year, I had a big, big crush on this guy who was my lab partner. And so we got a lot of FaceTime in, a lot of QT, a lot of quality time. And I was like, maybe this is the one. Maybe I will ensnare him, body and soul. And again, I am a freak about like romance and stuff like that. So like, obviously this is all feeding into my delusion of like, there will be a man to come along who will absolutely sweep me off my feet. And it'll be like a story and it'll be iconic and everything that I have been preparing my whole life for. So delusion, obviously. I mean, yeah, maybe. (laughs) I don't want to sound too cynical here. Some of us find it. I did. It took me a couple times. I'm glad I stuck it out, though, because a lot of people just feel like the time is right. Phoebe found her own imaginary meaning. After being passed up by so many previous crushes, maybe they were all just making way for the one that counted, her lab partner. He and I really spent a lot of time together. I thought we had a great vibe. He laughed a lot. I laughed a lot. We really connected, I think, on an emotional level. But yeah, he ended up dating this other girl. Just, he liked her. He liked her better. Do you remember when you found out that they were dating? This is so bad of me. But I remember I was friends with her and I actually like counseled her and was like, he's not the one for you, dude. I don't think he like gets you. And they broke up and he dated someone else and she dated someone else. So you did break them up. I don't know if it it was me. Like she had already been thinking about it, but I was like, I think you should. And when they broke up, did you feel like, yes. I was like, maybe now is my time. And then, no, it wasn't. He dated some other girl because I was 200 pounds. I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe I was just describing too much meaning to my weight as I always do. Boys are shallow, but they got back together senior year and have been together ever since. Wow. They're married now. So like, this is not a game I could have ever won. I still kind of in the deep recesses of my brain, I'm like, he's the one that got away. But again, that's psychotic. Did you get that? Phoebe still holds a little delusion in the deep recesses of her mind that he was the one that got away. Even though this was all in high school over 10 years ago and they never dated. I only point this out to say that we create these feelings ourselves through repetition and necessity. What a safe delusion to keep you protected from falling in love with anyone else. The guy that you were meant to be with already got away. Prom was a huge deal. Prom and graduation. I was like, I have to be skinny for prom. Delusion. Because in the movies that I was watching, in the TV that I was consuming, I was like, yeah, prom is the ultimate. So senior year, I lost a lot of weight. 
I okay. lost about like 60, 65 pounds and I look good. I, I look at pictures now and I'm like, God, I was skinny. I cut portion size in half and then I would just eat meat and vegetables. I mean, it's the pretty classic diet. Oh, you um, did it in it. I mean, that sounds healthy though. Yeah. I mean, when I say I cut portions, I cut portions. I see. What was the reception from you losing 65 pounds in high school? Nothing changed. I got this into my head where I was the fat girl already. And so I needed to go to college and reinvent myself as one of the normal skinny girls because the way that I was treated in the last year of high school literally did not change a goddamn thing about anything. 65 pounds later and nothing changes. I believe because her delusion was still fully intact. You heard her. I got this into my head where I was the fat girl already. And I would imagine that it's a lot harder to move that opinion about yourself than it is to lose 65 pounds. Still didn't have a boyfriend. Still was in love with this guy who did not like me back. He asked another girl to prom on my birthday. And I was just like, well, fuck this. Like, this is not what I signed up for. I lost the weight, bitch. Like show me the fucking money. Like, this is what, my time. What was your mom's response to you losing 65 pounds? I mean, she like loved it. She was like, you look so gorgeous. I got great feedback from her. And yet I sensed this overlying hesitancy, like it still didn't feel good. I'm just like, no, you can't just take it back. I remember all of the things that you told me growing up, whether you want me to or not. That affected me on such a level that I think part of the reason why I do have a hard time being in relationships and, and staying in relationships is because I'm always like, what if I got fat? He wouldn't like me anymore. And like, I'm not skinny enough to get the guy I want yet because I don't look like, you know, Aunt Becky. I don't look like Donna. Do you think that that keeps you from getting into a relationship then because you're like, well, I'm not skinny enough to get the guy that I want now, so I'm gonna wait until I'm skinny enough. Yeah, but again, there will never be a skinny enough. Of course. I'm truly just getting in my own way at this point. <laughs> Stay tuned after the break, but first, 143 means I love you. You know the code. It's the way that you say I love you when you send like a text message. One, I, four, love, three, you. One, four, three means I love you. If you have love for the show and you want to support us, send us $1.43 to at your necessary delusion on Venmo. Or you can just send as much or as little money as you want and we will consider that love. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Phoebe ended up going to prom with a fun but low-pressure platonic friend. It must not have been the ultimate because we actually forgot to talk about it. I had to text her afterwards and be like, anything substantial happen? Not really. She got very drunk and tried hooking up with a guy at the after party. It didn't work out. Her car got stuck or something? It was very embarrassing. I'm not sure. But isn't that just the way it goes? Her patterns with food, failed romance, and fantasy continued into college. So in college, I, I gained weight back, the freshman 15 and then some. And I also started hooking up with this guy who I had always kind of thought was cute in high school. He was more popular than I was. He was kind of like on the football team sort of a deal. And we both sort of always liked each other, like a personality level. And when we were hooking up one day, like in my dorm, 
he said something to the effect of like you in high school you could have gotten it charming and I was just like wait 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 what are you saying to me right now like that I was hotter than or like it just completely ruined the whole fantasy of like hooking up with like the hot guy from high school because I was like oh he liked the skinny senior year version of me not the version that he's currently hooking up with because Uh... I'm heavier now I don't know if he meant it that way because he could have also meant I've always liked you. That could have been what he was trying to say. But in my mind, I was like, no, he liked senior year skinny me. And now I'm not that anymore. He's trying to tell me something. And what did that do to that? I think I found out that he was also seeing another girl and like had been seeing her the entire time. And so I was like, okay, that checks out. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is all par for the course. And so again, I'm just going to not address this or focus on this at all and continued to gain weight throughout college because when you're in college, you're drinking beer and drinking alcohol and smoking weed and eating like a goddamn fucking monster because everybody's eating like a monster. And like- If everybody orders pizza and you're high as fuck at like midnight, you're not going to say no to the pizza. And so, yeah, I got up to like 210. But something interesting started happening on the internet during that time as well. Something positive that influenced her story. This is getting into a time period where body positivity is starting to kick up on the internet. Right. And so I'm seeing all these posts of women who look like me. There's sort of a feeling in the uh, in the, in the air. air that it's actually maybe kind of okay to look the way I look. And because I'm so sort of used to hating my body and hating the way that I look, it was kind of this like heady moment where I was like, wait a second, could I have it all? Yes, run with that story. And by the way, yes, I fully could have. I You still can. Yes, here's the thing is that I know, I know, I know that what I look like, what I weigh does not matter. Men don't care. They like all kinds of guys, like all kinds of bodies, all kinds of women, like all kinds of bodies. People like everything. I'm just sick. I'm just sick in the head. Well, wait, I was totally with her until all this sick in the head talk. That sounds like a pretty sticky premise to get hooked on. I'm sick in the head. My brain's diseased. I'm a disordered freak. That language feels so heavy, so constricting and unmovable, so permanent. Again, I am no professional in anything, but what if we tried believing in the power of our words? What if we tried to change the language we use? What if we try to rewrite our story? I don't want anyone who's bigger or smaller or anything to listen to this and be like, this is true, what she's saying. It's not true. I know it's not true. It's fucked up that because of the shitty way that I grew up and was presented with life, that this became my mantra and the thing that's stuck in my head on repeat now. But like, I just want to be perfectly clear that whatever you look like is fine. And whatever I look like is fine. I know that rationally. Irrationally is what we're discussing. (laughs) Yes. So I, yeah. You're trying to embrace it. I tried to embrace it. I think that like eating what everybody else was eating just pushed me into like, I I think I just should have been a little bit more careful. Like maybe I shouldn't have had that like fourth slice of pizza. Look at you still getting down on yourself for it. It's like, that's not even what we're talking about. But 
So <laughs> I should have been more careful. Like, no. A cautionary tale. I, I felt okay in the moment. And I think the reason why I can get up to, you know, 210 pounds and not blink an eye is because there is a part of me that knows that and feels that and like can rationalize that and be like, yeah, whatever my body looks like is fine. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life for like 10 seconds. It's not important being the fucking skinniest girl ever. I don't have to look like Donna on the West Wing to get Josh. I have to have that connection with him. And they had like great chemistry. So like, of course, they're going to love each other. Shout out to them. We're still talking about completely made up TV characters. So was the romance in real life thing sort of like paralyzed at that point? You must have been dating. At some point in the story, you dated Phoebe. Not really. That's the thing is like, I would look, I would get drunk and I would hook up with guys and I would have mediocre sex and I would feel terrible because like my hookups were like the Phantom of the Opera hooking up. It was all smoke and mirrors. There was a lot of cloth. There was a lot of like hiding in the shadows. My music. I'm the Phantom. I'm hiding from Christine. (laughs) Darting around the shadows being like, please don't look at my form. And like that I think also really affects my relationships to this day with men is that I'm just like, I don't want you to be fucking looking at me. Don't look at my naked body. Please don't do that. Like that is going to ruin this so quick for me. And these poor guys that I'm hooking up with are just like, no, like let's let's hook up and like be normal about this and like have fun. And I'm just like, sweetie, no, you don't get it. I am not gonna have fun if you so much as stare for one second at my physical form. Right. I wanna forget I have a body. And that's not what sex is about. So as Phoebe mentioned in the opening, this isn't a story from the past. It's a story that she still plays through in her present. Unfortunately, the body positivity phase in college was only that, a phase. And in the years since then, she has maintained her estranged relationship with food and her body. Like I said, she's graduated from writing fan fiction and works as an actual TV writer now. She hasn't found her iconic romance yet. The only thing that's really changed is her mom's advice on how to find a husband. This is her new fun thing. It's not how you look that's keeping the guys away. It's how you act. Just sit there and look pretty. She flipped. Yeah, because it's no longer fun and cute because I truly am anorexic. (laughs) And she's just like, maybe I did the wrong thing here. And does she know this? That I'm anorexic Um, and, you know, a touch bulimic. (laughs) Yeah, I think she does now. But you don't Um, say it to her. We don't talk about it outright. I think she's very much like, you look great, you look fine. It's not how you look. And I said, sweetie, I am forged in the fires of having to rely on my personality because I was taught that growing up, I was never gonna get a husband if I looked the way I looked. So I had to rely on other things. And so I became the funny one. And now you're telling me that that's what's keeping them away? I'm sorry, I cannot keep up with this. I truly don't know what you want from me. What I do know is nothing I'm doing is working, so whatever. I'm just gonna throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Well, that's an exciting place to be. Yeah, I've kind of let go of all expectation, especially after quarantine. I'm just like, I'll see what happens, dude. Like, I don't know. 
Yeah. Am, am I being too candid? <laughs> not for me. What do you think for your mom? What did it mean to her to have you get married? Oh, to this day, it is her most important goal in life. Anything that I accomplish is marred by the fact that I am single. Anything that I do will never be good enough until I am married off. And this is not just me wildly anticipating her and thinking of what she thinks. She says this to me on a yeah. daily basis. Still. Um, still, yeah. She literally says, like, I'm staying alive until you get married. And I'm like, well, if you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think is behind that for her? Like, what does it mean to her for you to get married? That you're safe, that you're settled, that you're... Yeah, I think it's like all of the above. But also, I think she's just very much buying into that measure of success. My mom never worked. My mom married my dad and had kids and that was her life. And I think there's a part of her that is a little bit jealous that I'm a professional person and out there doing well in my chosen field. Well, eh, well enough. I can support myself. Phoebe, do you think that you getting married like she did is also maybe a way in her mind? She's like, well, that's how I could connect to her or that's how I could understand her life. Sure. Yeah. Because again, my sort of my career is based off of what my childhood, I'll say trauma was, which was I felt sort of unloved, cast aside, threw myself into television and movies and fantasy and story. And I became really well versed in that. And I had a dad who loved TV and movies. And so my dad and I had a really close bond because he would show me all of these movies. I was like sitting at like 10 watching Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and like all the classics. He was so excited to show me, you know, Braveheart. And I probably shouldn't have watched Braveheart that young. <laughs> but my mom didn't understand it, never understood it. To this day, we have a hard time connecting because the things I want to talk about are movies, TV, pop culture, be based off of media. She has no knowledge of any of that. And so she wants to talk to me and she wants to, you know, have conversations that don't devolve into screaming. And we really have nothing to talk about. And so, yeah, I think there is a part of her that's like, maybe if, you know, she had a baby, we could talk about that. Oof. It really does all come back to the misguided ways we approach our intense desire to connect. I definitely feel that from her. When I tell her, you know, like I got a job in a, writing in a room, she's just like, okay, TV's dumb. That's definitely the like feeling, the underlying feeling is just like happy for you, but like now when are you gonna get married because that's something I can invest in right she also loves to say like but success in your industry is so fleeting and I'm just like no there are like a lot of people who like consistently make a living at this so just like back off but I think to her marriage is you know permanent nobody tell her about divorce <laughs> nobody tell her she <laughs> she's very happy in her her little delusion this is something that in the Friends reunion that really spoke to me. I don't know if you watched the Friends reunion. I haven't seen it yet. It made me sob crying. And everybody was like very concerned about Matthew Perry right. in the Friends reunion. And that was a big talking point. And it was all like, well, he's slurring his words and he doesn't like look as good as the rest of them. And I was like, no, no, you guys are missing the most interesting and also sort of heartbreaking thing that he said 
which really like hit me like a lightning bolt which is they're all sitting around talking about how they loved the live audience and the energy of the live audience. And they were like, oh, every night we would go out and just feed off that energy. And then Matthew Perry says, actually, if they didn't laugh, if they didn't laugh like I thought they were supposed to, I would feel like I was going to die. And I would like break out into a cold sweat and I would go into it like panic. And Lisa Kudrow was like, wait, you never told us you felt like that. And he's like, yeah, well, it wasn't like healthy, but I felt like that every day for 10 years. Oh, Earth Monster. We put so much pressure on ourselves, don't we? To be honest, I ask you, am I being too candid? Am I being funny? Because I'm so worried about the way other people perceive me. And that ties into all the eating stuff and ties into all the stuff with guys. My entire life, I want everyone to like me so badly. Like I wanted my mom to like me. So I ate all my brother's food. She's already thinking about how she'll beat herself up when she's finished recording this episode. Right now, I feel great. I feel like I'm making good points and salient points and, you know, it's all working. And then I'll think about it and I'll start running it in my head. Are they going to like me? Are they going to think I'm stupid? Am I not funny enough? Am I not interesting enough? And I'll be so embarrassed about what I said and what I did. And like, this goes for every conversation I've ever had. No wonder I do all the things I do. <laughs> do you know we all do this though? I mean, I can appreciate that maybe you have a heightened sense of that or Matthew Perry saying that is like, okay, so it has a bit more than other people or something like that. But oh my God, like everybody does that. Everybody walks away from the conversations like you idiot. Oh, why did you say that? Why did you yeah. have to? I also just wonder you saying, am I being too candid? Do you ask that because it's hard for you to tell? Yeah, I'm oh my God. always the person that is oversharing to the point of uncomfortability. Because again, I'll say anything for the laugh. And I'll say anything if I think it's going to be funny. And if it bombs, I'm just like, fuck. I've, I've overshared now and it's not funny. I don't know about you, but so much of this hits home for me. Certainly, I felt that way while making this podcast. Am I being too candid? We had a rule in my house growing up, a rule that has haunted my behavior for decades. The rule was anything for a joke, which was intended to be fun and positive, but my unconscious bias twisted that little story around and interpreted it to be anything to make everyone feel uncomfortable and isolate myself, which I am incredible at. Boy, if that had been a positive thing, I could have gone pro. By the way, if we happen to have met between ages 9 and 29. I am so sorry. I thought we were all laughing together. Delusion. One of my low points is recently, four in the morning, Los Angeles. I was drunk. The only thing open on Postmates was like Cool House. I ordered every ice cream sandwich they had in stock and I ate all of them. And I don't know how much you love Demi Lovato, but I love Demi Lovato. (laughs) And then I thought it would be funny to put on the song Anyone by Demi Lovato. And I filmed myself to that soundtrack throwing up the ice cream sandwiches. Again, I'm drunk and I'm like really like out of my mind. I ate about six ice cream sandwiches. And this is a very dark song. It's a song about their overdose and eventually overcoming that. And then I found that video the next morning And I sent it to all my friends. And I was like, this is going to be hilarious. And everybody was like, you good? And I was like, wait, why doesn't anyone else think this is funny? 
And then I was like, because it's not, it's really fucked up. <laughs> but that's how I approach the sort of most fucked up things that I do. I'm definitely that person at the party that tells a really sad story while like laughing through it. And then like, I look at everybody's faces around me in the semicircle and they're like, yikes. And I'm just like, guys, no, it's really funny. I'm that raw nerve of a girl. <laughs> Phoebe, you at any point tell me to like back off if you want to, because honestly, you're making me feel like I can talk to you about this. I'm an open book. <laughs> you must see the angle that when you make this video of yourself throwing up and send it to your friends, mm -hmm. you must see that. Cry for help. <laughs> and do you, what do you think about that? Um, look. I think that's partially why I am so open about this stuff is because I'm just like, this is what's going on with me. You can address it with me or not. How long have you been this open about all of it? I actually don't know. I, in maybe like 20, like 17, 26. It's when I sort of started down this path of being a writer and learning to express myself and like learning that like I had something sort of to say or like I had an, a voice or like a angle that people maybe like wanted to listen to or thought was worthwhile in some way. And I feel like the harder I pushed it and like the more open I was. Yeah. Again, like sometimes I got the big laugh and yeah. I loved that feeling and chased that dragon. Phoebe's brother's getting married in a week. And my brother's now... Good height, good weight. Everybody's like, oh, he's a J. Crew model. He's perfect, which also killed me. She's going back to New York for the wedding. It's the belly of the beast. It's imagined competition with her brother. It's her mom's judgment. It's food. It's marriage. It is expectations about a partner for Phoebe. It is the pressure of taking pictures that are going to get looked at for years. She's put herself on a diet to prepare, a diet that she says she does not recommend to anyone. It's only 500 calories a day. This is like something that I think about maybe 10, 15 times a day. There is a rehearsal dinner before the wedding. And I'm thinking to myself, I have to stay eating 500 calories that I'm going to be eating like food right. at this rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding. And so I'm going into this wedding loaded because again, I say this, I'm knowing myself, if there's food floating around, I'm going to have a really hard time resisting it. I have the warring sides of my brain going constantly being like, it's okay, you can eat, it's fine. It's not gonna make a difference. Like one night before the wedding, eating a normal dinner, like just have a normal dinner, you're fine. And then the other side of me being like, you're gonna gain every ounce of weight back that you lost. It's going to ruin everything. You're gonna be fat and ugly at the wedding. Those pictures are forever. Everybody's gonna notice. Like you're not gonna like be hot. I want to thank Phoebe for her story today, for her transparency and bravery and willingness to hash out such personal delusions with us. This story made me think a lot this week about the ideas that we pass on to each other and the power and the far reach that our words can have. This might be my own necessary delusion, but Phoebe said that we were sort of finding her at the climax of her delusion with her brother's wedding right around the corner. So I hope it is. It makes me think about story structure. You talked us through the midpoint, bad guys close in, and all is lost. 
And if that's true, then maybe your desire to have this conversation here and with people in your real life, maybe some part of you is trying to break into Act 3 and apply all of this awareness to take action, to take care of yourself. Delusion. But I hope not. I looked like shit at my brother's wedding. And do you regret that? (laughs) No. It was... uh... I was in such a bad place. I was certainly bloated, (laughs) not fitting the suit that I was wearing. I looked like fat Frankenstein in my mind. And when I look at the pictures now, I see myself as stressed. There was a lot wrapped into that day for me. And I was with my ex at that point. And, you know, I was married before. And at that point, totally in that delusion and not realizing that I was so unhappy and Oh my God, I put so much pressure on myself that day. I had to give a speech. I was the best man. You know, our relationship was so fraught at that point. How am I going to say something nice in front of all these people? It was like really, really stressful. I look at those pictures and I just see all the pressure that I put on myself. I could have shown up relaxed and happy and ready to have a good time with my family. (laughs) And I just see myself there trying to keep this relationship together that's not working. And I remember when the pictures came back and I talk about like a snapshot of me and my delusion. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need more of a disclaimer here. Guys, if anyone is going through any of the issues that we talked about in today's episode, then please reach out to a therapist or a professional of some kind or a trusted person in your life and get some help. Thank you for being here with me today, Earth Monster. Please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about us. Share your favorite episode. Or write us a review on Apple iTunes. That's the Purple Podcast app. You can do it right from your phone. Takes two minutes. Appreciate that. If you have a necessary delusion of your own and you want to share it, reach out to me on Instagram at yesmatthew, or you can email us at yournecessarydelusion at gmail.com. 143 means I love you. You can send us your love on Venmo to at your necessary delusion for $1.43 or whatever you feel like giving will feel like love. We have got epic stories coming to you every Monday. A big thanks to Phoebe, a big thanks to you, and a big thanks to Paola Monterde, the love of my life. We'll see you next time. By the way, this is the book that is currently sitting on my desk. 13 Ways of Looking at a Fat Girl by Mona Awad. It's a really good book for everybody who would like to dive into this particular spiral a little bit more. Well, what is the message behind that book? What kind of story are you telling yourself by reading that book? It's just kind of a brutal, honest look at those really formative sort of moments. Like, you know, when you start chatting with a guy on the internet and like send pictures of yourself, like that's a specific moment as a fat girl that's different than like a quote unquote, you know, skinny girl. Yeah. But the chapter that really fucked me up was going to a store and having help from a saleswoman 
who's trying to help you find an outfit that's going to look good on you. That is so specific to like the plight of the teenage fat girl that I'm just like, yes, this speaks to the like damaged part of my soul that is like, I am so happy to read that somebody else had that experience. And like that this is sort of like not universal, but a known feeling to someone other than myself. 